0: Welcome back to Presta in the Afternoon. I'm Matthew Bunsen filling in for Al today. For the second year in a row, Nigeria has been omitted, left off of the U.S. State Department's list of countries that engage in or tolerate some of the world's worst religious freedom violations. This coming, despite regular reports of kidnappings and killings of Christians, this has obviously sparked uh, outcry from uh, many watchers of this around the world, but it also begs a question of why this took place. What does it signal about uh, the defense of uh, human rights, uh, especially those of Christians? To talk about that, I'm joined by Edward Clancy. He's Director of Outreach for Aid to the Church in Need, and you can visit their site at churchinneed.org. Ed, thank you so much for joining me.
1: You're very welcome. It's good to be here.
0: So I I seem to recall talking with you about a year ago uh, when the State Department uh, did the exact same thing. What was the response then and what is the response now when people ask them, why are you doing this?
1: Well, initially the response was that they were assessing. That was the, when they first removed Nigeria from the countries of particular concern, which is a designation for countries where there's a particularly high level of persecution against religions. But in the case of Nigeria, it's almost uh, all against Christians. And so they said at that time they were assessing it and they were. Working with the government of Nigeria to understand better what is being done to prevent these problems, and sort of has been there. today it's a more legalistic uh, definition of the reason. And they said it does not meet the criteria of a country of particular concern, which is is odd because the number of attacks has gone up even over 2019 and. 2020, those previous years when Syria was listed, and USERF, uh, the United States Con- uh, Commission on International Religious Freedom, is consistently listed in Syria as a country, as they would designate a country of particular concern, and they are one of the most cool critics of the, go- of the government right now.
0: Yeah, by way of uh, some context... Um... It would be correct, I think, to say that within about the last 20 years or so, 60,000 Christians have been murdered. And in this case, yes. uh, the, I would say most, would it be fair to say, by um, Muslim radicals or uh, Fulani herdsmen or however we want to, you can answer that. That's a horrifying number.
1: Yes, it is. And uh, between like a 12-year period... This is uh, uh, in 2021, they were averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,400 per year. Uh, currently, that average over the last two years may be as high as 3,800 per year. And it does not include abductions. Those are just the killings. And there are a regular number of, of uh, abductions. And then there are towns where they're just terrorized and the people have to leave and flee. Uh, up in the northeast, there's pockets of, of dense Christian groups up in Uh They have completely left their villages now. There's there's 16,000 people staying in the um, what was supposed to be the chantry of the Arch- of the diocese of Madaguri. and they have somewhere in the input of about uh, between there's 40,000 uh, internally displaced people there that the the diocese is caring for, and that does not include the others who. You know, are living with family and and not are are not displaced, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you're right to mention um, the the types of violence. It is generally the actors of Boko Haram, the ISWAP or uh, ISIS of West African province, and then you have the Fulani herdsmen who have sort of skirted any sort of um, real international notice because a herder group and they move between the the countries of West Africa. And oftentimes, when there's involvement of the Fulani, they do not point it towards any of the tribal leaders. They say it just happens to be someone within the group. Or, as it turns out, what we've noticed is that they are used as sort of vehicles of of making things happen. They work with local um or I swap to, uh, to uh, Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I guess it's a, it's a question that's sometimes asked. Um why should it matter that this title is given what are the practical val- what's the practical value of having a, a designation like this placed on a country versus not having it placed
1: uh it, it is sort of in the vein of going towards uh you know a declaration of genocide when in, you know, there is a declaration of genocide against a the country there are strict rules as far as what uh what the united states in this case has to do diplomatically, politically, um, economically. And when you get designated a country of particular concern, it means that there's extra scrutiny done on all sorts of trade deals or all sorts of aid deals and all of these other things. And there are contingencies that are attached to certain payments or transfers or activities that governments might have. And now the Buhari government in Nigeria is going through an election cycle now and buhari is not seeking re-election uh he just he's just turned 80 uh, right in this time period and he's decided that he's not going to run for office again and of course with the new government comes all of these promises of um of protecting different groups and what has happened is usually there's sort of a detente between islam and christianity where the parties will always nominate a Muslim and a Christian, so vice president and president. And in this case, the leading party has decided that it's going all Muslim, which is causing a lot of concern among the Christian communities because Buhari has not, the current uh, president of Nigeria, has not really been answering their calls for um, more enforcement, more protection. And in Nigeria, the, the federal government has the control of the police. They have the control... Of the protection, um, early in Pentecost there was a killing of many people in Undo, and um, it was at you know Catholic mass for the uh, the Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday, and the, the pe- this governor of the state of Undo was outraged because he had been outspoken against what was happening, and there was this attack on the church on a Sunday. And he said that the government was just dragging their feet. They weren't responding. They weren't doing uh, any sort of uh, police activity that they should have to begin with. And then after the fact, they weren't doing investigations. And it was the state that actually forced the the federal government to do something by gathering evidence and eventually taking uh, uh, certain people into custody who were likely involved. And then after that, the federal government did act.
0: So not to... uh ask you to prognosticate, because I know that that's always a dangerous thing. But Mm -hmm. how likely is it that uh, Nigeria is plunged into civil war, or that uh, this becomes uh, an even worse situation than it is right now?
1: Lord help us if if Nigeria does have a civil war. Um, It is a difficult situation there. If there is a civil war, uh, there is the possibility of tens of millions of displaced people it is the most, it's the largest population. Certainly, it's the largest country by population in Africa. And you know, the the 180 to 200 and some odd million people uh, are spread, are concentrated in many places that could easily be affected by a civil war. You know, north and south, similar what has happened in other places. Um, I, we pray that it's not going to happen, uh, but there is a lot of concern in that there is a lot of the um, kindling for that type of fire there's a lot of conditions that could lead that way uh there's a uh, corruption there's lack of protection there's groups of of uh, nigerians who do not want to be led by the current government and might take might take things uh you know i don't know i don't i don't want to use words no, but no, i understand anything but you know so it, it, it's a great concern i don't i hope that it won't happen we pray that it won't
0: right and and is this something that could spread across sub-saharan africa
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. uh you know it's you know the, the, a lot of these expressions when you have large countries next to smaller countries uh all of the lake chad region would be affected by it and you know there's the relationships between nigeria and the other countries like Ghana and some of these other countries where they have had long relationships and many of the tribes are in both countries and obviously then families are. You have, uh, the situation where it easily could spread west and east, north of Nigeria. And of course, the other thing we have to be concerned about is the, the great oil reserves and the production of oil. We already see what has happened internationally with, the uh, you know the war between ukraine and and russia and how it's changed uh, the distribution of, of petroleum and you know nigeria is an exporting state for for petroleum so you know it's another concern to have on the international economic situation
0: yeah it, it's uh, troubling and, and in the brief time that we have left i want to pivot just for a second because i, I want to make sure that we have a chance to talk about uh cutter we have the yep. World Cup that's being played there. And what is it like to be a Christian there today? It's,
1: it is it's difficult. Uh, the, the foreign... Five or more, maybe 99% of the Christians in, in Qatar are are foreigners. They are expats coming, workers coming from mainly the places like Philippines, India, and parts of Eastern Europe. Um, so there is about 14 percent of the population is Christian, um, and Qatar or Qatar was the first country to establish a place where Christians could worship. In Doha, there was uh, the king gave a piece of land, and there was numerous churches built to allow Christians to worship. Um, so it was one of the sort of signals that there was a sense of religious freedom. Bahrain was another country that has done that recently. In fact, the cathedral was built of the vicariate of, of Northern Arabia, um, and in Qatar, you have a sense of uh, somewhat religious freedom for the foreigners, but obviously not for anybody converted. People who converted are treated very badly. Uh, so there was also problems during the, the lockdowns where they were a little bit extra strict on uh, the communities. There are a great number of house searches because all of the churches are concentrated in Dohar. And so people that lived far away might have had sort of house churches or places of prayer or, um, you know, stand by the government, is of some concern.
0: So we have about uh, 200,000 to 300,000 Catholics who live in the country. Is that about right?
1: That's about right. It's about 60% of the uh, 14% population. Which comes out to an estimate is about 380,000 Christians, and probably between 200 and 240,000. These are all sort of rough estimates because there's no real true population done. And some of the number has gone down because of the, you know, the restrictions of COVID. Some of the work disappeared, so the number must have an accurate census. But we do know that the masses are very well attended still um, in in Doha, in, you know, in the Catholic churches.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the community is very vibrant.
0: And the population itself would be similar to what we see elsewhere in the Near East or Middle East, and that would be largely Filipino, Indian. Where else would they be from?
1: It's uh, some, some from Eastern Europe, some of the Eastern European com- countries. There's some from uh, some other of the Asian countries. Uh, there's uh, a small group of Christian from Indonesia, there's another group from, um, you know, parts of Africa that have come, all of them, you know, essentially seeking economic opportunity, and they take their faith with them.
0: Ah. Well, Ed Clancy, thank you so much. Uh, Very troubling about Nigeria. Let's pray for the Catholics. Let's pray for all Christians in the region. When we come back, I have a few final reflections on nativity scenes. This is Krista in the Afternoon.